Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek, and what a busy day in a busy week this is. Coming up on our program today, we'll talk with the Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Joel Haggard. We'll talk about pork sales in particular into China, but meat sales overall. We'll talk trade with Tom Vilsack, former USDA Secretary, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. And we will talk with Brian Keel, Executive Director, Co-Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade, as trade is the big topic of the day. And we're going to start things off with Phil Brasher, Executive Editor for AgriPulse. Phil, in our business, there are days that are light news days where we're kind of scrambling to find something this however is not one of those days there's plenty to talk about oh, yeah, absolutely yes and it's all focused on the white house this uh, later this morning uh and also in the senate because uh, it looks like they'll go ahead and and take care of usmca ahead of impeachment is that right Yes, that's the plan. It uh, looked like impeachment might uh, delay it, but uh, they've moved up. You know, they have to had six uh, committees that uh, had to consider this, uh, uh, had to consider the uh, implementing bill for the uh, for the uh, trade deal, the U.S. Mexico Canada trade deal after 2.0. They've moved those up. Uh, there's four committees actually meeting this morning uh, as we talk uh, to uh, to get it out so that they can get it on the floor uh, before they break uh, for this weekend and uh, the, uh, and come back to uh, uh, start the impeachment trial. So that's, uh, I mean, that's good news on the trade front, that they actually moved it up and going to take care of it before they get uh, into that trial. Yeah, it, uh, it gets this issue out of the way, I you know, in the big picture of things, is big picture of things. We know this is this is not nearly as, as big has had nearly as big an impact on agriculture as uh, the potential purchases that China has uh, promised to make under this uh, phase one agreement that's being signed at the White House today. But obviously, uh, it sends a it sends a signal that the president. Um, and uh, Democrats and Republicans in Congress, and we saw most of the Democratic presidential candidates last night endorse uh, USMCA. So it's, it's, it's significant symbolically and in message sending that you have this bipartisan support for a, a newly negotiated trade agreement, uh, even if it doesn't make huge changes uh, in the trading relationship um, it, itself. It uh, certainly is a uh, uh, I think a landmark in, in that you've got so much support for this deal and it's uh, getting through and onto the president. Good to get it done because uh, you get a little nervous the longer things are put off, especially in Washington, things can happen. So better to, to get it un- over with, uh, signed and out of the way as soon as possible so we can move on. And, of course, as you said, the big news today, the signing of the Phase 1 trade deal with China as we watch for details on that. But uh, certainly, I mean, for these things to all be happening Right now, uh, 
I don't know how much of it is planned or controlled, but it's certainly uh, with what's going on on the impeachment front, this would be considered uh, wins and victories, uh, 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 positives for the Trump side. Yeah, well, huge positives with uh, with the base. Uh, yes, and it's not at all surprising that uh, the president decided to go to speak to the American Farm Bureau Federation meeting uh, this year in Austin. This is the third great year that uh, uh, that he's, he's gone to speak to Farm Bureau. Uh, not at all surprising that he would do it this year on the Hill. He's not, gonna have, he's not only going to have the China deal signed, but uh, the uh, USMCA approved, uh, uh, cleared by Congress. Uh, it's, he's got both of those in his pocket when he goes to Austin. Huge, yeah, because af- really after a, year of, after a year of talking about what we hoped would get done or what they were trying to get done. I mean, now the president will be able to say, look, we got USMCA, we got a China deal done. It looks like we may get a new waters of the U.S. rule uh, this year. I mean, all of a sudden, you can actually start checking some boxes here. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of uh, boxes checked in the next uh, weeks and months. Uh, that new uh, waters of the U.S. rule is imminent. Uh, there are other other rules that will be coming. Uh, last last week, uh, they proposed uh, some changes in how environmental re- uh, environmental impact uh, reviews are done. So there's a number of things that are going to be coming down the pike. Um, that um, I think a lot of a lot of farm groups have been uh, looking for and would be happy to see. It looks like, uh, and it came up uh, last night in the debate some. Uh, but we're hearing it on the campaign trail more and more. Climate change is going to be an issue, though, to be addressed moving forward. And it will be interesting to see uh, where agriculture comes in on this. Uh, seems like agriculture gets plenty of blame instead of credit for actually helping the situation. But so it's going to be interesting to see how this is played uh, politically as we move in through this uh, election year. Yeah, I think Democrats uh, certainly are talking a lot about uh, agriculture in terms of climate change, both because they can uh, portray agriculture as a uh, is, is vulnerable to climate change, but also th- because they need to talk about how rural America and how farmers can benefit from a carbon tax or, or benefit from uh, 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 new regulations and policies and spending. Um, because the last time... Uh, Congress tried to do something, the president tried to do something on this this issue back in 2009. They ran into a buzzsaw mm-hmm. in the Senate um, with uh, opposition from rural areas, opposition from the Farm Bureau, uh, and concern about the impact on energy prices and so forth. So I think they've, to some extent, learned that lesson uh, Democrats have, and uh, they are really trying to portray uh, their climate initiatives as benefiting, not hurting farmers in rural yeah. areas. Hey, Phil, what's the mood there in Washington with all that's going on? I mean, you got the positives of the trade situation versus the negatives of the impeachment situation. What's the mood there in the Capitol? Well, it's a, it's a bit surreal. I think uh, certainly all the focus is on impeachment. It's it's going to be everything. You're going to have these these Senate these senators who are running for president: uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, uh, Amy Klobuchar, um, all going to be uh, stuck here in uh, D.C. for the next uh, uh, 
for you know a good period running up to the Iowa caucuses on February third. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's uh, yeah it's it's going to dominate um, uh, dominate the capital. Interesting after, times, really after tomorrow. Yeah, interesting times. So much going on on this busy day, Phil. Thanks for taking time to be with us. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. Take care. Phil Brasher, executive editor of AgriPulse. All right, coming up next, we'll talk with Joel Haggard. He's the senior vice president for the Asia-Pacific region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. On this uh, trade signing day with China, we'll look at meat exports into that market next on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Do you like what you're hearing on Adams on Agriculture? Continue that conversation, Important Agriculture, on Twitter. You can follow the talk show at AOA underscore talk show or follow Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Ag. Here you will receive real-time highlights of the show and see what others are buzzing about in the industry. Adams on Agriculture hopes to meet you online. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us now is Jonathan Coppas, Assistant Professor of Agricultural and Consumer Economics, University of Illinois. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. I've noticed more and more these payments are starting to to get some scrutiny and in some cases criticism uh, from various uh, uh, areas as people look more closely at them, who's getting them, the amount of them, things like that. So this is going to be a story we'll be talking about for a while. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt you put that kind of uh, that kind of cash infusion into the countryside. There's there's no doubt it's going to help, and and it certainly is going to help at a time that you know farmers have been struggling for multiple years. But really, the the trade and tariff uh, moves by this administration has made it you know that much more difficult. And so you know there, there, nobody discounts the fact that these will help, and these are helping at a time of, uh, of of some real challenges financially and economically. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back on this big day for the signing of Phase 1 U.S.-China trade deal. We talk with Joel Haggard, Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Joel, thanks for joining us. I believe you're in, what, Mexico City? Yes, that's right. We're having a staff gathering here, but um, and also in inter- good to be in the same time zone to uh, hear what's going to happen in a couple hours. Yeah, I bet uh, at your meeting, all eyes and ears will be focused on uh, the announcement of, on the trade deal, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, we're watching our watches. Yeah. So in the meantime, and we wait to see what the d- trade deal means moving forward, let's look at where we're at now. Uh, we've heard so much about African swine fever and what it's done to, uh, you know, the, the number of hogs that have had to be destroyed there and what it's done as far as uh, leaving the shortage of protein, especially with pork in China. Let's look at our pork sales into China at the end of 2019. Uh, have we seen a, a, a huge increase, a slight increase, or where are we at? Oh, well, we've seen a huge increase in uh, exports, but I think the story is, is that we could have done more. Um, as everyone knows, we've been handicapped by uh, very high punitive Im- import duties that are that that give us a um, uh, give us a disadvantage of uh, sixty percentage points on duty. So, um, although we had an incredible increase in exports, the volume of uh, pork and other proteins that China imported um, were so massive, and, and we could have done more. So now we look to hopefully this uh, trade deal opening that up to more uh, pork sales into China. What's the potential there? What is the situation? How much uh, do we really know about what they need and what they may be looking to buy? Well, I think um, a year ago a lot of analysts were were trying to figure out what what was the decrease in production in terms of uh, just just uh, you know millions of tons. And it became apparent mid-year last year that what they had lost was probably much more than they can import. But looking at their total imports for the year, they just announced, uh, and this is for the muscle cuts on pork, they just announced that two days ago they they released partial December data. So they were uh, 2.1 million tons. I think uh, when we get through with uh, December, the U.S. will have done maybe uh, 550,000 tons, including the variety meats to China. But our market share on the pork side was 11%. That's a, that, that's a little bit low. And again, it's because of those duties. 
Now, we wait for the details on the trade deal, but uh, there's talk about duties staying in place even with the trade deal, so we have to see what the details are on that. But uh, when we look at selling into that market, pork obviously is a big item, but really all forms of protein could see a boost, couldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, the you know Again, talking about just massive numbers, probably in uh, Q4, China imported just total meat and poultry, over one and a half million tons. I mean, that's just a that's just a number that's hard to get your arms around. Um, it's never been done before by any country importing that much protein. And uh, shipments seem to accelerate a little bit toward the end of the year. So 2020, even though China's talking about um, rebuilding its herd and, and they're trying, they're putting out good news or good news, encouraging news on being able to manage around African swine fever, 2020 should be the largest year for, for imports, even larger than last year. What do we know, Joel, about uh, the situation with African swine fever? Are they any closer to having it under control? Well, it's very difficult to get information on the ground, what's happening. Um, you know, we do watch what the government's announcing. Obviously, they're coming up next Friday on their Lunar New Year, which is their biggest holiday of the year. Um, they've been putting out, uh, like I mentioned earlier, these encouraging statements about increases. Now the month-on-month increases in the sow numbers and inventories, that's turned, that's turned positive. So through much of last year, every month they'd announce uh, an inventory and a sow number. Those were dropping year-on-year year and month-on-month, month, but those have turned upward. So, um, But then what's actually happening on the ground? Uh, we're hearing a mix of reports. It's really hard to know. Um, it varies by area. Pork production in China spread out all over. Um, it's a little bit difficult for us to speculate. But in general, Chinese enterprises have probably been able to increase their biosecurity measures and, you know, we're hearing reports that they're able to manage around it, but there's still outbreaks out there. It's, I think it's, it's a question of how they can, you know, manage the rebreaks. But the, the incentives to grow pigs with a $330 a head profit uh, uh, right now, I, I mean, the incentive to grow pigs is just massive. We're talking with Joel Haggard, Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Joel, I was going to ask, who's our biggest competitor uh, for selling pork into China? I was thinking about the European Union, but they're starting to deal with African swine fever, too. Yeah, but still the the European Union, they're the biggest suppliers of pork uh, to China. So we came in in fourth place in terms of, uh, you know, ranking in tonnage. After Spain, Germany, Brazil beat us out last year slightly. Um, we had an 11% market share. We should, probably should have been at 20%. So if you take that number, you know, that's where we probably should have been. Our prices are much lower than uh, those in the European Union. And in part, those prices in the European Union were high because of that strong demand out of China. Um, but those, you know, those are our main competitors along with uh, our neighbor, North Canada. So we continue to watch that situation, but it would seem that, uh, well, you talk about missed opportunities in 2019. Hopefully, with the trade deal, we're going to be able to take advantage of those trade opportunities in 2020. 
Yeah, exactly. So the the, the questions I'm getting on uh, on, uh, on text messages over the last couple of weeks from Chinese importers is, you know, what's going to happen to the duties? That's what they want. That, that's what they're interested. What's going to happen on the duty side? Because unless that's lifted or significantly reduced, it's hard for us still to compete, right? No, exactly. I mean, we would be, they're still going to come to us for supplies, but we'll really be the supplier of uh, last resort. But they need so much pork that, you know, again, I was saying our, our pork exports to China are, you know, massively up last year, but we, we, we could have done a lot more. What other markets in that Asia-Pacific region should we be watching? Well, you know, everything's encouraging. Uh, this morning we're talking about Japan here at the staff gathering. Uh, that looks a lot more positive because of the, uh, the deal that was implemented a couple weeks ago, um, immediate duty relief there. But overall, you know, kind of a, a, a return of optimism by Japanese trade in the United States being a reliable supplier. We can now compete uh, evenly with, uh, you know, the, our, our European competitors and those in uh, you know, Australia and New Zealand. Australia, Australia and New Zealand are going to have problems on uh, beef supply this year. Korea is going to be good. Um, probably some increases there. We set records in Taiwan last year. Uh, it, it actually looks 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 real positive. Last year reminded us, though, that roadblocks can pop up at almost any turn and unexpectedly. But as you said, I mean, it just feels like a very positive uh, vibe here going into 2020. What could be, what do you think, could be a record-setting year for our pork exports in particular, and perhaps meat exports in general? Yeah, I would think we're looking at another uh, record-setting year on pork this year simply because of the uh, China demand. Um, and, and then, you know, we got, we got potential uh, changes, we hope, on, uh, on beef access to China. Um, the beef demand out of uh, Asia is going to be strong because of that. Our, our competitor in Australia, is, um, their supplies are a little bit exhausted. Uh, just because they've run down their herd size. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's going to be a record on beef, can't say that for sure. Pork looks like a, another record year. Um, we set records to uh, Taiwan, Philippines, and Indonesia last year on beef. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of potential out there. It looks good. I mean, this is really starting out, this year is really starting out uh, on a positive note. Yeah, nice to have some good news. Joel, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thanks for taking time out of your meeting to join us. We we thank you very much. Well, thank you. Have a good day. Take, take care. Joel Haggard from Mexico City. He's the Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific uh, Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Joel's at that, the, their meeting there in uh, Mexico City, and we appreciate his time. Up next, more on trade. We'll look at the dairy sector. Tom Vilsack, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, joins us next on AOA. The patented pod shatter reduction technology canola hybrids from Invigor are the perfect blend of strength and durability. Stronger pod seams and stems protect the canola seeds within while protecting you from potential yield loss. And that gives you added flexibility at harvest, even when dealing with adverse weather conditions. Shattering yield records, not pods. That's smart. Contact your local BASF seed advisor today. 
Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and, if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. On top of learning more specifics about the Phase 1 trade deal between the U.S. and China, grain traders are anxious to see what kind of penalties China will have to bear if it violates its obligations. Ahead of the signing on Wednesday, USDA said that China purchased 126,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for delivery during the 2019-2020 marketing year. March soybeans biding time beneath resistance at 961, support at 931. An hour into Wednesday's session, March soybeans 938 and three quarters, down three and a half cents. March corn down a penny and a quarter, 387 and three quarters. In order to break out of the recent range, the burden lies on bulls to support a rally and a close above 392. In the wheat futures, Chicago continuing higher. March up three and a quarter at 571 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat march down a half cent, 496 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat march down a penny and three quarters at 554 and a quarter. For livestock at the American Live Cattle Futures, February down 35 at 126.50. Feeder cattle March down 57 at 145.15. More cash cattle asking prices developing in the south and the north at 126 to 127 per hundredweight. Lean hog futures February down 60 at 67.07. April down 90 at 74.10. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 128 points, NASDAQ up 38, S&P up 6, February crude oil down 24 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. 
Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Lots of trade news today. Let's talk it over with Tom Vilsack, former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Tom, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's start with USMCA before we get to China. Uh, looks like the Senate's going to go ahead before the impeachment trial, and we'll finally get USMCA wrapped up. I know this is a uh, Big news, great news for the dairy industry. Absolutely. Uh, we anticipate and expect that it's going to result in a continued uh, opportunity for us in Mexico, which is our number one market, uh, as well as opening up a bit of the market in Canada and getting rid of Class 7, the pricing system that has really distorted uh, powder prices for quite some time, and it's been to the detriment of our dairy producers. So very good news uh, that the Senate's going to get this out of the way and done. Uh, now we'll need Canada to ratify once it ratifies. They have six months to get rid of Class 7 and to replace it with a system that uh, will discourage a bit uh, the exporting that Canada has been doing at, at, uh, at prices well below uh, global prices. So very, very good news, uh, great opportunity uh, for us to, to move forward in dairy at a time when I think uh, dairy farmers are, are looking for good news. Yeah, for much of agriculture, USMCA provides certainty of keeping what we have but for your sector the dairy industry actually one of those areas that will should see an improvement it should mike and we anticipate once this agreement is fully implemented once the tariff quotas are put in place over a period of years we could see two to three hundred million dollars of additional business opportunity in canada and continue to see growth in that mexican market which is as you know is our number one market nearly a third of all that we export uh, in the world goes to Mexico. Nearly 75% of what they import comes from us. So it's an incredibly important market for us to preserve. Let's switch now to China, the big signing today of the Phase 1 trade deal. Uh, we It'll take a while to go through, uh, the, learn all the details and see how it all plays out, and then you get into enforcement and things like that. But what does a trade deal with China mean for the U.S. dairy industry? Well, for the dairy industry, I think... Uh, probably less uh, on the purchase side and more on some of the details and the barriers that have been constructed over the period of time in China to entry for U.S. dairy products into the Chinese market. Uh, I anticipate and expect this agreement will call for uh, an easier way for plants and products to be classified and, and approved for sale uh, in China, which is incredibly important uh, in the past. It has sometimes taken years to get the approval to do business in China. So I think we're going to see a, a shortcutting of that uh, of that system. Uh, I think we're going to see ways in which uh, uh, infant formula and other other products can get into that market more easily, uh, which will be good news. Uh, our hope is obviously that as they uh, live up to their responsibilities of purchasing additional agricultural products, uh, that they put on that list uh, additional purchases of dairy. Uh, we were very uh, pleased with the fact that they removed the retaliatory tariff on whey permeate in order to rebuild their hog industry. Uh, we've already seen roughly 7,000 metric tons of product move into China, uh, where it was basically stalled before. So 
uh, for us, I think, is the non-science, uh, non-tariff barrier uh, barriers that have been constructed in the past that will hopefully be uh, removed. And, and you mentioned enforcement, and I think that's really a critically important point to this agreement. Uh, we'll be very interested in knowing what uh, tools we will have, uh, what Americans will have in terms of ensuring enforcement of this agreement. The Chinese are famous for promising a lot, uh, and then o- over time, those promises uh, t- tend not to be fulfilled. So hopefully the enforcement mechanisms are very strong. And as both sides spin it to look the best for their particular side, and uh, uh, a lot of different factors have led up to bringing us to this point of signing this Phase 1 trade deal. But you can't overlook the impact of African swine fever and how that changed things actually put more pressure in, in many ways on, on China to have to do some, maybe some things they didn't want to do because of, of the need there because of African swine fever. Well, it decimated at least 50% of their, their, hog, uh, their hog industry and maybe even more than that. Uh, it obviously resulted in higher prices for their consumers, which creates a lot of discomfort and, and dissatisfaction with the government. So I think there was pressure uh, to get something done uh, to avoid additional tariffs. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, this truce, and that's basically what this is, it's a truce, uh, hopefully it holds. Uh, hopefully these purchases that they promised uh, will, in fact, uh, be delivered. Uh, they have indicated a, a fairly significant amount of purchasing of American agricultural products, perhaps more than they even need, uh, which will be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, but obviously this is good news uh, because I think all of us were concerned that this was going to continue to ratchet up. Uh, and obviously, American agriculture has paid a pretty steep price at this point uh, from from this uh, this trade war. Talking with Tom Vilsack, president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. So, Tom, as last year reminded us again, uh, trade hurdles can pop up at any time, and oftentimes very unexpectedly. But right now, as we start this year, it sure looks a lot more positive for trade than what we dealt with all last year. Oh, I, there's no question about that, Mike. Uh, we, we ended the year uh, in terms of sales. Uh, skim milk powder sales hit a record in November uh, as a result of strong Southeast Asia purchases. Uh, the trade one, uh, the phase one trade deal in China, certainly good news. The, the phase one trade deal in Japan, even better news for the dairy industry uh, because it basically removes a tariff a disadvantage that we had with our EU and uh New Zealand competitors in that Japanese market, so we should be able to regain market share that was lost in the early part of 2019. We should continue to see uh, growth in cheese sales. Uh, We're seeing more of our cheese that's being produced in the U.S. going into the export market, which is one of the reasons why uh, we will probably end up selling somewhere between three and $400 million more product uh, in 2019 than we did in 2018. And it's over a billion dollars more than it was when we started a, a very uh, intense effort uh, to, to focus on exports of cheese and ingredients in the world market uh, in 2017. So w- we're seeing the right trend, the right momentum. Uh, the hope is that with the USMC ratification, Japan, China, uh, and a strong Southeast Asian market, and that we don't have uh, geopolitical uh, controversy or difficulty in the Middle East and North Africa, so we can continue to do business in that part of the world. Uh, we should see a, a pretty good 2020, which certainly dairy farmers and processors need. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had uh, a year that, uh, that that people could be happy about, and it's been a long time since we've seen uh, dairy prices coming up uh, for dairy farmers. Yeah, as you say, it, it's a critical time. It, it's much needed, and this could be the, the shot in the arm, the boost that the dairy markets need. 
You know, one other thing, Mike, this is the first time since 2015 that we won't enter the year with the EU having a significant amount of surplus in their intervention stocks. Uh, for the last four or five years, we've been dealing with them having to wean themselves off a surplus that they accumulated when they changed their system over there, and, and that obviously has depressed uh, opportunity as well. So uh, entering the year for the first time in five years without that overhang, uh, the trade agreements that we talked about, uh, the, the middle classes that are developing in, in Southeast Asia, Indonesia, a country that uh, we're now seeing more business opportunity because of their uh, their disagreement with the EU. Uh, they've begun to diversify their dairy purchases, and we're seeing a lot of interest uh, in U.S. dairy from Indonesia. So tremendous opportunity out there, uh, and I'm hopeful and optimistic. Of course, on any given day, something can happen. Uh, the world can be turned upside down, but uh, uh, certainly I'm more hopeful today than I was a year ago. I want to circle back for a moment to USMCA and, in particular, Canada. You, you mentioned the improvements this will USMCA will give us with uh, this trade with Canada, but obviously that does not solve all issues. How do you see that relationship between the U.S. and Canada on dairy moving forward? Well, I I think the first thing for us, Mike, is going to make sure that this agreement that we believe is helpful is actually implemented in a way that, in fact, it is helpful. Uh, Our Canadian friends are pretty good at this uh, trade business, and they have a tendency to to, uh, reinterpret uh, agreements after they've been reached. And so uh, we're going to ma- want to make sure that as they're fulfilling their quota responsibilities, that they're doing it uh, in the right way, in a transparent way. We're going to ma- want to make sure that as they eliminate Class 7 and replace it with a system that's going to be tied more to our Class 4 milk pricing, uh, that they don't figure out a way to sort of get themselves in the same situation they were in with Class 7, it was just a different name. Uh, the, the reality is they have a supply management system up there, uh, and, the, and the reality is they can't manage their supply within the four corners of Canada, uh, which is why they tried to export their problem to the rest of the world, and in doing so, undercut uh, all the other dairy, uh, uh, dairy countries uh, and the dairy farmers of other countries. Uh, so we want to make sure that this is implemented properly. Uh, and the good news about the USMCA is that in addition to the opportunities that it creates. It also has developed a dispute mechanism, a dispute resolution mechanism that will allow us, if there is a problem, uh, to be able to rectify that problem a lot sooner than we would have under NAFTA that had no dispute resolution system. Um, We won't have to go through a a WTO long drawn out process. There is a way in which the three countries can uh, come together and and resolve any concerns that people have about the implementation. So I, I think that's a very positive aspect of this agreement. And it's one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, pretty significant bipartisan support for the trade agreement, both in the House and, and uh, this week in the Senate. Well, some big steps uh, finally being taken. Uh, still got a ways to go. We've got to keep going. And uh, the work that's been done in market development and negotiations has led to this and uh, allows the opportunity to move forward. So it's exciting, Tom, to have some positive news to talk about. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to developing the first-ever Center of Dairy Excellence in Singapore, which is going to open up in 2020, which is going to give us a deeper presence in that Southeast Asian market. It's going to send a message to the world that we're in this export business to stay and to win. Uh, we're competing to win, uh, and, and we're excited about that opportunity. So that allow us to showcase U.S. dairy, showcase the, uh, the tremendous sustainability story that uh, I think is better, the best in the world. Uh, and I think that's going to develop a, a model that we potentially could use in other parts of the world as well. Very good. Thanks, Tom. Good to talk with you. All right, Mike. Take care. 
Tom Vilsack, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Stay with us. More on trade next here on AOA. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. My mom, a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Borden Dairy Company is the second major milk producer to file for bankruptcy in the last two months, joining Dean Foods, the largest U.S. dairy company. Now, Borden's does still plan to uh, uh, stay in business, but Dean Foods intends to sell its assets. And what, what's behind it, and what does it mean moving forward? Joining us now is John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thanks for joining us. When you have major brand names like this filing for bankruptcy, it has to, has to wave some red flags, doesn't it? You're exactly right. This does raise some red flags when you look at what happened with, with Dean Foods in 2019 and now uh, with Borden in 2020. It, it really makes you think that, that dairy may be, uh, at an inflection point, when you think about the Class One market and, and where the the trends have been uh, for fluid milk sales over the last few decades. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. If your soil could talk, what would it say? 
If it's healthy, it may already be saying some good things about your future. Because farmers who use soil health building systems that include no-till, cover crops, and diverse species and rotations report greater productivity, profitability, and resiliency to weather extremes. Learn more about what your soil is saying about its health and your future. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today. This message brought to you by USDA at this radio station. With the start of every new year, you always have new possibilities. The new year is upon us, and Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network, has plenty of news to be excited about. Your host, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture, has expanded the daily conversation into new geographies around the country. Mike has new online content, too. Navigate on your computer, smartphone, or tablet to AmericanAgNetwork.com. Under the Adams on Agriculture tab, you can listen to Mike's latest shows and also catch up on Mike's new weekly commentary. Adams on Agriculture is also available as an Alexa skill on your Amazon device. Adams on Agriculture with Mike Adams, presented by the American Ag Network. We're looking forward to new conversations with you throughout the year with information farmers and ranchers need to know. Check it out. Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. Cenex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Cenex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running, so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now, don't spend all that free time in one place, unless it's the highway. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, it is a big day and a big week uh, for trade, and someone we've been talking about trade with for some time is Brian Keel, co-executive director of Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, thanks for joining us as we look forward to uh, the signing of the trade deal with China and passage of USMCA this week in the Senate. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's been quite a quite a journey. Hi, Mike, and thanks for having me on. It, it has been quite a journey, and I think a lot of us are are exhaling certainly with the the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement about to move through the Senate. Uh, you know, that's one we've worked on for a couple of years, uh, really put everything put everything we could into it in terms of uh, organizing and, you know, our, our motorcade for trade 30-state tour. Um, and so it's nice to see that one moving move through the House with such a large margin and now uh, now hopefully passing the Senate with an equally large margin. You have to be relieved, even though it looks like it was going to pass the Senate whenever, but that they're going to move it up and do it ahead of the impeachment trial. I think the sooner the better to to get it passed. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah, these are the kind of things you don't want to leave open. You know, if you've got a window and an opportunity to get it passed, let's get it passed and nail it down. You know, when you think about it, so U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is the, the new NAFTA. It updates NAFTA. And it and it improves NAFTA. It's not it's not a dramatically different agreement from NAFTA, but it has some improvements and it modernizes NAFTA, which was passed in 1994. 
I think the biggest thing that it does, though, is it removes the cloud. You know, when President Trump came into office, he was threatening to pull us out of NAFTA. We immediately got into a trade war with Mexico and Canada where we were putting tariffs on their steel and aluminum, and they were putting tariffs on our ag products, which really hurt a lot of our ag producers, you know, dairy, pork, apples, corn. Um, this removes all of that. So it kind of puts us back to where we were, uh, moves the ball a little bit forward. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that it does is it really just it stabilizes those relationships. It, uh, those are two of our largest trading partners, and to be getting out from under a trade war really in itself is a win. And with China, and time, it'll take time to get the details and, and work on enforcement and monitor that and see where we go with China. But uh, certainly, uh, while this is a big step and what we've been waiting for for some time, it's, it's not the end of the story here. Um, far from it. And and I think a lot of people are skeptical about what we're going to see out of this phase one deal. Um, you know, as, as, your, as your listeners will remember, um, the U.S. put tariffs on Chinese imports. Um, China retaliated by putting tariffs on U.S. exports, uh, mainly farm products. Uh, that's what's really whacked our farm economy. Soybean exports plummeted by, you know, 94%. I mean, it really, really has hammered our farmers. Um, and this deal, on its face, doesn't resolve a lot of that. You know, we're leaving in place tariffs on Chinese imports of over $300 billion in products every year. So the vast majority of products coming from China into the U.S. are still going to have tariffs or added taxes put on them. And China's not lifting their retaliatory tariffs on U.S. ag products. You know, what this deal does do is it holds off on new tariffs, so it keeps things from getting worse, knock on wood. And the Trump administration is saying that China is committing to buying 40 to $50 billion in ag products every year. Uh, people, I think, are skeptical of that because, number one, we've never seen that level of purchasing from China. You know, the high was $23, 24000000000 billion in ag purchases uh, by the Chinese from the U.S., so this would be roughly a doubling of that. And remember, as I just said, the Chinese aren't removing their tariffs on ag products, so it's going to be more expensive to sell into China. It's hard to square that idea that we're not cost-competitive with the idea that somehow we're going to see our exports increase by that magnitude. You know, China can put its thumb on the scale. It can waive some of these tariffs and and boost some, some exports now. But I think a lot of us are taking a wait-and-see attitude because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to add up. In other words, we have to really look beyond the headlines and the big, bold statements that will come out of the uh, ceremony and look at the details, look between the lines and behind the scenes and see what's, uh, what's uh, the actual uh, situation as far as buying and selling. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And, I, you know, I think there will be some silver linings. For example, pork, you know, because of African swine fever, has, because it's decimated the Chinese pork uh, herds, um, pork exports are already going up. Uh, that probably, you know, that was happening before the phase one deal, and it's probably more a matter of China's need for pork. Um, so that's a bright spot, and we expect that we'll see pork exports continue to increase through 2020 because of that uh, swine fever epidemic. Uh, on the other hand, you know, a good chunk of what China imports our soybeans for was to feed their pigs. So to the extent they're not needing that feed, 
it's again hard to square the notion that we're going to see soybeans rebound to you know double what they had been when China's domestic demand is probably going to plummet because of the swine fever epidemic. So I think for a lot of us, it's it's wait and see. You know, we hope for the best. We certainly need a win. We need these numbers to go up because farm country's hurting. But I I wouldn't rush out and buy a new pickup truck just yet. Well, we're reminded, uh, while this is all good news, trade is is always an ongoing effort, right? And there's always more to do and things that need to be worked out. These are big steps, positive steps, but not the end of the story. That's right. And, and you know, the point you just made is a really critical one. That You know, U.S.-Mexico trade, we export about $20 billion in products to Mexico and $20 billion each year to Canada in ag products. So those are two of our biggest export markets. China's the third with also about historically about $20 billion. So those three are our biggest markets. Getting those stabilized and, and, and back on track are critically important. Um, but we can't lose sight of the fact that there are a lot of mouths outside of China, outside of Canada and Mexico. So expanding export opportunities into Japan, into Vietnam, into the EU, into the U.K., uh, into South America – these are things we should also be working on. We need to be expanding export opportunities, not just stabilizing ones we've already had. And hopefully it's going to be a big year for trade and for exports for U.S. agriculture this year. Brian, thanks a lot. Always good to talk with you. Likewise, Michael, and, uh, and congrats to all of your viewers, uh, listeners who have weighed in on U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Big win happening uh, happening tomorrow, so everyone can feel good about moving that ball down the court. Yeah, good news indeed. And um, I know uh, when you look at all the miles and all the hours that have been spent to get to this point, uh, it has to be, uh, while there's still things to do, as we said, it's it feeling a satisfaction because a lot of people worked hard to get, get us to this point. That's absolutely right. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Weeds want to restrict your freedom and crush the spirit of your soybeans. Never fear. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of superior weed control is here with Liberty Herbicide. Stand proud with greater application flexibility, unmatched convenience, and excellent performance combined with the Liberty Link, Liberty Link GT27, and Enlist E3 trait systems. And it has no known resistance in U.S. row crops. Talk with your BASF rep or authorized retailer about Liberty Herbicide. Always read and follow label directions. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Take care.